Good afternoon and welcome to Midday Magazine for this Thursday, April 20th. I'm Julie Hersey for KFSK News. Petersburg is moving forward with plans for a new borough-owned hospital. The community's borough assembly authorized plans for the new facility on Monday, and now the Petersburg Medical Center's board can start drawing up plans for the facility. But, as Shelby Herbert reports, some community members have concerns about what assembly members are calling the, quote, biggest project in the history of Petersburg. The project would replace the existing Petersburg Medical Center with a new facility, which would include updated infrastructure and seven additional beds. The building is roughly 60 years old, and Petersburg Medical Center CEO Phil Hofstetter says the cracks are starting to show. There's a clock ticking on the major components of our facility, and they are failing. Almost 10 years ago, PMC hired architect JYL out of Juneau to complete a comprehensive facility conditional assessment. The results show that almost all major infrastructure and architectural standards were at the end of life or exceeded their life. These conditions have forced the hospital to cut back on certain medical services. The hospital had to stop providing obstetrical care 15 years ago, forcing Petersburg's pregnant citizens to travel elsewhere to give birth. Petersburg Borough Assemblymember Scott Newman says it's time for a new facility. Look around this room. Look at how old we are. (laughs) We're all aging. And the facility that we have is... Well, I'm 58 years old and I was born in it. (laughs) You know, my wife works there. I've heard stories for 30 years about things breaking down. The borough owns Petersburg Medical Center, but it's operated by a semi-autonomous board. Petersburg's hospital board is planning to source the $85 million necessary to build and outfit the new hospital from state and federal grants. But some community members still have reservations. Don Koenigs is one. He told the assembly he's worried about what happens after construction is complete. He said maintenance and upkeep costs could burden the community. You need to figure out how you're going to own and operate that facility. I believe that should be presented to the public before you start moving forward with your site selection, getting a contractor. Asking dumb questions is much easier than correcting dumb mistakes. Koenigs asked the assembly to seek approval from the public before they sign off on the project. My suggestion to do is to make sure that before you proceed with this project, you have the confidence and the vote of the public on what you're endeavoring to try to do before you authorize construction and, and selection of a site. Assemblymember Donna Marsh expressed similar concerns over operational and maintenance costs, and she said she thought the $85 million estimate for construction was optimistic. Sounds like a great facility, but I don't think it's going to fit in Petersburg because we cannot afford it. The concept is based on a lot of, if we get this funding, we can do this. I think that's um, shaky ground, and I know I've spoken to quite a few people who wish that it had gone to a vote to the public She was the seven-member assembly's lone vote against a resolution outlining the borough's plans for the new hospital. Mayor Mark Jensen said he was initially worried about leaving Petersburg on the hook if state and federal funding falls through. But, he says, he's talked this through with the borough's attorney, the architect for the project, the contract manager, and the CEO of Petersburg's medical center. Jensen says he's confident that the borough won't be left holding the bag.
If the money's not there, like it says in the resolution, they can't proceed. So we have to have a guarantee that they have the funding before they take each step in the process. I still have reservations about this, but with this resolution, the way it's worded, I think the residents of this town are protected. Newman said he understood others' hesitation, but he said he knew how badly Petersburg needs a new hospital. Like other people have said, it's the biggest project in the history of Petersburg. It's a mountain. It's a mountain to climb. And how do you climb that mountain? You take the first step. None of us have built anything this big. In other business, the Assembly unanimously accepted a $17,000 grant from the Alaska Department of Health and Social Services for new lab equipment for the existing Petersburg Medical Center. The grant will fund a microscope with a camera attachment. In Petersburg, I'm Shelby Herbert. There are many ways to prepare herring eggs in Sitka. Freshly spawned eggs on hemlock branches dipped in hooligan or seal oil is a classic method, as is lightly sautéed in a pan with sesame or olive oil and eaten straight up or stirred into a green salad. Another method is to blanch them in boiling water, and that's done best when the tiny herring eggs thickly coat a blade of macrocystis kelp. And to really connect to a Sitka subsistence tradition, you've got to boil the eggs in a bentwood box. Sitka's second graders recently watched the district's cultural liaison, Charlie Skultka, heat up the volcanic rocks in a fire and then use them to boil water the traditional way. Sitka reporter at large, Carrie Sagel, attended and sent this audio postcard. So how am I going to get the heat from that fire into the bentwood box? That, that would catch my box on fire, wouldn't it? How about you? Put the rocks in it. Put the rocks in it. Yes, that's a good idea. That, that's exactly right. It's going to boil. The pumice, um, if you switch the P with an H, it sounds like pumice. Uh-huh. How do you get yours? Um, my dad is a coho fisherman, so he basically just gets them. Oh, boy. Great. Huh? My name is Julia Blanc, and I'm the cultural director for the Sika School District. And today we are sharing with students in second grade all about herring and cooking herring in the traditional way in the Bentwood box. And I love to eat herring eggs because they are tasty. I don't eat them all the time, though, because this was just my first time. What did you think of them? What did they feel and taste like? They felt they were squishy, tasty, yummy, delicious, and squishy. As we go around to have herring eggs, if you don't want any, what's a really kind way to say? No, no, no. When we eat things from the land and we don't like it, should we make faces or... Ew. No. No. The herring were so hard to get us these eggs and then... What do you think? I think... They kind of taste plain. I think they're better. This is a story that was shared. Um, the straight out of the ocean. About ravens. Is that how you eat yeah. them? Do you ever eat them with soy sauce? Yes. And when the, the eggs are done, the kelp will turn green. They'll turn green? Whoa. Mr. Charlie, we have a question over here. How do you like peel them off from um, the kelp? Well, after after about four or five days, the kelp starts to. The kelp keeps growing even though the herring eggs are on them. So after about four or five days, as the kelp starts to grow and get bigger, the, the herring eggs start to lose their, their stickiness and they just slide off. Oh, like a coral reef kind of. Yeah. And then the um, after about, I think it's eight to nine days, you can actually start seeing the little herring inside of the eggs. As what? Grow. Yeah. The first thing you see is their eyeballs. <laughs> yeah. And they show up with little tiny black dots. Isn't that amazing? Oh how fast so that gets water boiling. 
Now this water is already way too hot for hearing aids. But um, when, when I was a young man, I used to spend a lot of time out on cruise off surfing. And we'd stay there for weeks sometimes. And one of the tricks that I would use was I'd put a rock by the fire. When I went to bed, I would, I would bring that rock with me. Uh-huh. Should I do one more? Yes, I want to see more Okay, we'll do one more before you guys go. That was an audio postcard by Sitka reporter at large, Carrie Sagel, who attended last Monday's traditional Bentwood box cooking demonstration at Keith Gushi Heen Elementary School. And you can see photos of the event at kcaw.org. Wrangell's small-town 4th of July celebrations are a rural America masterpiece with canoe races, logging competitions, and a fireworks show to put much larger cities to shame. It's a costly event, though, and recently it has not been breaking even. As Sage Smiley reports, event organizers are looking at parade registration fees and renting spaces for booths as ways to make ends meet. Wrangell's Chamber of Commerce starts planning 4th of July celebrations on July 5th of the previous year. But as the confetti settled after 2022's week of Independence Day events, the chamber realized it had a major issue. We couldn't have a year like last year and stay solvent. Bill Burr is the president of the Chamber of Commerce's volunteer board. He's also superintendent of Wrangell's school district. The biggest outflow of money is the 4th of July, which is... A pretty big community event and we want that we want that to continue but we couldn't have another year we we don't have reserves to fall back on at this point reserves sit at just thirty four thousand dollars half of the lowest range the chamber usually relies on Wrangell's 4th of July hasn't traditionally been a big moneymaker for the chamber, but in years past, it broke even or came close. That hasn't been the case recently, especially last year, says Chamber Executive Director Brittany Robbins. I personally noticed that we were losing or expending a lot of our finances during the run of the, the royalty race last year. That's when I started to notice that we were not bringing in as much as we were putting out. The royalty race is the big money maker for the chamber in the lead up to the 4th of July. That's where community members, usually high schoolers looking to make money for college, sell raffle tickets and fundraise via food booths, car washes and carnivals during a whirlwind month. Robin says the chamber pays for wages and supplies during the royalty race, which had one candidate last year, and that cost came out to almost $83,000. But ticket sales fell over $25,000 short of costs. The royalty competition is only the start of Independence Day expenditures. The chamber also pays for special insurance for the downtown corridor during celebrations, and that insurance has almost doubled in cost in the last couple of years. And cash prizes for dozens of events came out of its coffers. Every single from 50 cent piece to $100 bill that goes out between the 1st and the and the 4th was furnished by the chamber. Supplies, hundreds of eggs for the egg toss, and a huge fireworks show don't come cheap. Burr says last year's fireworks cost $11,000. Between cash prizes, supplies, and events, he says the 4th of July overall cost well over 100000 And that doesn't include a lot of the work and the setup hours and time by members of the, the chamber and volunteers. So there's even more that goes into it that just can't be calculated. But sticker price alone is six figures. 
For years, Robin says the chamber's backup source of income to pad the 4th of July was pull tab sales at the bars around town. We were really, really heavily relying on those pull tabs. But with inflation soaring and local utility rates rising as well, she says pull tab sales have plummeted. And then with the economic change, even my my agent through the state is calling and being like, why aren't you buying more pull tabs? Well, I would love to, but no one's buying them for me. So that's when I reached out to Bill and said, hey, we've got a problem. So there are some changes coming to this year's 4th of July in Wrangell. Some are small, like a $5 registration fee for the parade. There may be less subcategories for prizes. The the parade was $1,000 in prizes alone. The biggest change will be space and supply rentals from the chamber. Robin says that's not to make the chamber money. It's just to help cover the expenses for things like the special downtown insurance. Robin says there have been a few gripes about the changes. After all, Wrangell is a town of traditions. I mean, I have memories growing up at my house up on the top of the hill, hearing from my house from downtown, toss your eggs now. But there's also been a huge outpouring of support. Almost every event for the coming 4th of July has been sponsored at prices from a few hundred to a few thousand dollars. For many of the events, the same volunteers keep coming out year after year to organize and run the highlight events of the festival. What makes Wrangell special is what we can do as a community. And it is like the fact that we have a 4th of July like no other, or that we have, you know, these special events where people can get dressed up or go out and do these fun things that you can't do in the larger communities um, where it's not safe necessarily, or they don't have the feeling of family where they want to get together with their community. And I don't want any of that to go away. But down the line, if we can't make changes, then something's going to go away. Whatever happens, though, Wrangell's 4th of July will go on. The eggs will crack on Front Street, fireworks will sparkle above town, and a Wrangellite will be crowned 4th of July royalty. Robin says they've already got one candidate for this year's race approved by the chamber and ready to go, but they're waiting to make an official announcement until the May 1st deadline for royalty signups, in case any others want to throw their hat in the ring to compete for the 4th of July crown. In Wrangell, I'm Sage Smiley. For Midday Magazine, I'm Julie Hersey, and coming up next, we'll have local and marine weather.